All right, welcome back, listeners, for a very special edition of Andy's podcast, where I will be opening today's podcast by talking to myself as the rest of my family wakes up and gets ready to go to work. Um, so what's been happening? Uh, not a whole lot. Just been keeping up with writing my scripts, my dream. Oh, you know, you know, I'm very excited for that. Um, I've written three episodes now and got many ideas on the way. So if anyone wants to, would like to collaborate, if anyone wants to be an actor in the upcoming hit, that will be the Banana Republic. Um, feel free to let me know. Uh, hit me up on your Snapchats, your Instagrams or whatever you prefer. All right. Now I'm aware that at this hour, I will be competing with a very famous, if not infamous, radio co- radio show host, John Dean, but I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to try and hold my own against the great. Uh, obviously, he's very well established, but you know, I've got some new ideas and as we, as history tells us, innovation beats, beats the old. If they fail to move with innovation, just look at Blockbuster. Look at the Dutch East India Company. All right. So what's interested me besides my show that I don't want to do a table read of by myself with? Just been looking at some poems by Maya Angelou and Khalil Gibran. Hey, mom. How are you? No, you're not disturbing. I was actually counting on you to come out and I wanted to just like have a nice little chat with you before you went to work. Hello, Stuart. I just got to get ready for work. Thank you. That's okay. The early bird gets the worm. That's exactly right. Now, that is just some of the... Oh, what's the word for a lot? Uh, I I need a thesaurus right now because I can't think of it. But that's just one of the many pieces of advice my, my mother has imparted on me as, as, she's, as she's raised me to be the man I am today, that the early bird gets the worm. I'd write that down, if, listeners, if you didn't already know that. Um, my mum, of course, being a very hard worker and high achiever, she's uh, woken up quite early to get the worm this morning. <laughs> anyway. The poem by Maya Angelou that has particularly struck my interest is Still I Rise. It's a very famous poem, and many of you probably know it. Um, I am aware, however, that my audience may not be the biggest poetry buff, so they probably don't actually give a fuck about the uh, contents of the poem. But basically, the gist of it is... uh, no matter what you do to a person, no matter how much you spit on them or put them down, they'll still rise if they're up to it. Greatness rises to the top, as they say, or the cream rises to the top. I'm going to pour myself a cup of tea now because I like to keep it freelance. I don't, I'm very uh, laissez-faire in my structure because it doesn't really matter because no one's listening. <laughs> Are you doing a poo, Stu? Huh? Are you doing a big poo? No. No? Are you? 
I'm talking poo. Uh, <laughs> your PAC stuff? Like what? Yeah, it's hung up out here. That's kind of crazy. Uh, oh, that was a bit loud. For the folks at home who don't know Stuart, Stuart is my older brother who was the third addition to the Brennan family in the chronological order of sons. And uh, he's quite the athlete and quite the... Uh, Stuart, how would you describe yourself? Quite the gamer, yeah. He um he's very good at that. He's very good at Fortnite. As um those who know him definitely know, as he has, owns many Fortnite shirts and likes to wear them out and about. In fact, one of his girlfriends that he um dated in his early twenties. He's still in his early twenties, I might add. Uh, he met because she was doing a Fortnite dance on a club dance floor, which I think was... Do you remember that, Mum? What, Mum? When Stuart met Tyra, because she was doing the Fortnite dance. Mm. You don't remember that story? I don't remember that story. Yeah, I think you, you don't have that story. Oh. That's okay. Mm. Stuart is off to basketball training. Stuart, you are looking very fit this morning. That's a big yawn, and I'm making me yawn. You just bore me in, true. I bore you? What? That hurts my feelings. And you know I'm prone to anxiety. Where's an upper slow? I don't think we have any cold ones, actually. Oh, shit. But the warm ones are just there if you'd like to try it here. I would like. What would you like? A yogurt then. Mum, do we have any yogurt for Stu? I'm not sure. I think it's in the fridge. Do we have any yogurt? Oh, and Stuart's found some yogurt. Oh. I tell you, I went for a run yesterday. Did I tell you how far I went? How far did you go? 10 kilometres, Mum. Well, there you have it, folks. Stuart has risen and departed just like that. Wow, that was quick. Very impressive stuff from the young lad. All right. Well, it would appear that Mum is too busy in a scramble for getting ready for work to come sit, have a sit-down chat with us, but maybe she'll have some coffee or maybe some breakfast. I put the kettle on just for her, so currently I'm a little bit... I feel a bit used, a bit um, unappreciated in my venture of doing that, so hopefully I get the credit I deserve and I get what's coming to me because at the moment I'm, I'm pissed. Let's, let's just leave it. You know what? I'm going to read this poem.
Still I rise by Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trot me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides. Just like hope springing high, still I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders fallen like teardrops weakened by my soulful cries? Mom, you could never distract me. There goes my beautiful mother, getting ready for work. Doesn't want to impede on the podcast. I don't know why she's supposed to be a guest, but she thinks she's an intrusion. Um, I'll continue. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Because I talk like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. Gosh, I wish I had gold mines in my backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness. But still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the hut of history's shame, I rise. Up from a history that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling. I, I bear in the tide. I might add that there aren't two eyes that I just put that in there. I thought it was good, but obviously I'm, I'm not as much of an artist as my Angelou the Great, rest in peace. Um, and I'm not a black ocean and I don't really have a history that's rooted in pain coming from straight white male heritage. Well, I guess my, my dad's side's kind of from Ireland and they had a bit of terrorism, but... Nothing like that of the um, uh, African-American exodus. No, not egg. What do you call it when you displace a lot of populace? They, they use it for like a Jewish... They use it more commonly when about the Holocaust. The Holocaust stuff. No, like before the Holocaust, I think. Let me look it up on the old computer. Displacement of a pop. Uh, synonym. Hmm. I can't find the word, but if you know the word, um, feel free to let me know in the comments, uh, or... Maybe even send me a direct message at 0451-957-599. And we'll continue with the poem, forgive my ADHD. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear. I rise, bringing the gifts my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of a slave. I rise. I rise, I rise, 
And I'd like to reiterate on the previous point I made. I do not. I, I, I'm not the dream and the hope of a slave. I, none of my ancestors suffered under the tyranny of slavery. Well, not tyranny of slavery, but like, you know what I mean. Um, I, do, I don't really have that much hardship to complain about. And I also don't have really anyone to talk to at the moment. So what I'll do... As I'm going to talk about some of these ideas that I've got written down for episodes. And I think maybe I could yes and them a little bit. And get some get some good show going. Oh god, this would be so good to do with a person. Oh damn. Maybe I'll call Oscar. No, Oscar's got stuff to do. <sighs> Max didn't answer my text. So he won't be awake, I think. Um, either that or he secretly hates me. Let's talk about Andy's, Andy's Russian sleep experiment. Have you heard of the Russian sleep experiment, Mum? Is it keeping people awake? Yeah, they forcefully kept a group of people, a group of war, um, war prisoners awake over like the like. Worst torture. Yeah, and they like were like giving them this gas. Have you heard about it? Not that gas. Ah. Well, it's a very interesting um, uh, story. Uh, what's the word? It's not. It's like something candy. Uh, scary story. Um, anyway, I don't think it's a true story, but what they did was they, um, the, uh, Nazis, I'm going to look it up, Russian sleep experiment. Obviously it wasn't the Nazis, uh, because it's the Russian experiment. There's a movie about it? Oh my God, I'm not going to watch that. Um, it's a creepy pasta is what it is, mum. It's a creepy pasta. It doesn't. It didn't actually happen. But what it de- what it is is the Russian sleep experiment is a creepy pasta, which tells the tale of five test subjects being exposed to an experimental sleep inhibiting stimulant in a Soviet era scientific experiment, which has become the basis of an urban legend. And this urban legend is that, like over time, these people became like semi-human and developed like. Um, almost like super superpowers like they couldn't die and, and super strength unless they got taken off the gas and once they were, and if they were taken off the gas they'd die if they fell asleep wow yeah but um let's look at the story uh in 1947 it's set a uh, covert soviet test facility in a military sanctioned scientific experiment five prisoners that were deemed enemies of the state were kept in a sealed gas chamber with an airborne stimulant continually administered to keep the subjects awake for 30 consecutive days. Whew. The prisoners were falsely promised that they would be set free from the prison if they completed the experiment in 30 days. The subjects behaved as usual during the initial five days, talking to each other and whispering to the researchers through the one-way glass, though it was noted that the discussions gradually became darker in the subject matter. After nine days, one subject began screaming uncontrollably for hours while the others did not react to his outburst. The man screamed for so long that he tore his vocal cords and was rendered mute as a result. 
When the second one started screaming, the others prevented the researchers from looking inside by pasting torn books and pages and their own feces on the porthole windows. A few days passed without the researchers being able to look inside, during which the chamber was completely silent. The researchers used the intercom to test if the subjects were still alive and got a short response of a subject expressing compliance. On the 15th day, the researchers decided to turn off the stimulating gas and reopen the chamber. The subjects did not want the gas to turn off for fear they would fall asleep. Upon looking inside, they discovered that the four surviving subjects had performed lethal and severe mutilation and disembowelment on themselves during the past days, including tearing of flesh and muscles, removing multiple abdominal internal organs, practicing self-cannibalism on themselves, as well as cannibalism on the second subject, allowing 10 centimeters, 4 inches, of blood and water to accumulate on the floor by jamming pieces of flesh from the second subject into several drains, who was found dead on the floor as soon as the chamber was opened. The subjects violently refused to leave the chamber and begged the scientists to continue, the, uh, continue administering the stimulant, murdering one soldier and severely injuring another that attempted to remove them. After eventually being removed from the chamber, all subjects were shown to, the, were shown to exhibit extreme strength unprecedented resistance to drugs and sedatives, the ability to remain alive despite, despite lethal injuries, and a desperate desire to stay awake and be given the stimulant. It was also found that if any one of the subjects fell asleep, they would die. I'm going to have a sip of this tea. Alright. Um... <clears throat> After being somewhat treated for their severe injuries, the surviving three subjects were prepared to return to the gas chamber with a stimulant by the orders of the military officials, though against the will of the researchers with EEG monitors showing short recurring moments of brain death. <laughs> I know a few guys with that. Um, before the chamber was sealed, one of the subjects fell asleep and died, and the only subject that could speak screamed to be immediately sealed in the chamber. The military commander ordered the, for the three other researchers to be closed inside the chamber alongside the two remaining subjects. One researcher immediately drew his gun and killed the commander and the mute subject by shooting both of them in the head, causing the other person to flee the room. With only one surviving subject, the terrified researcher explained that he would not allow himself to be locked in a room with the monsters that could no longer be called people. He desperately asked what the subject was, to which the subject smiled and identified himself and the other fallen subjects as an inherent evil inside the human mind that is kept in check by the act of sleeping. After a brief pause, the researcher shot the prisoner in the heart, and with his dying breath on the floor, the subject muttered on his final words, so nearly free. That's spooky. Isn't that spooky, Mum? What would you be like if you were kept awake for 30 days? I know what you're like without your midday nap. Midday nap? I don't know. Oh, when you need a nap, you need a nap, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good 15 minutes, but it's dangerous because that, that 20 minute nap or half an hour nap that it's supposed to be can very easily turn into a few hours. Like four hours, like I missed my three last night. Yeah, I did that as well. Who cooked last night? Stuart. Stuart did? No. Get on, Stuart. I don't Okay, keep getting ready, Mum. Uh, 
the Peter principle. That's one of my ideas. I don't really know what I thought would be. Oh, yeah. In relation to one of my, one of the people I work with, I think the Peter principle was talking about. What the Peter principle is is um, someone will be promoted within their organization to the point that they are incompetent at their job, at which point they won't. They can't be fired and won't be promoted. That's the Peter principle. So you'll rise until you're incompetent. For example, like a mechanic, there was a mechanic once. Um, let's say you worked at a. Uh, it doesn't matter. A mechanic who was ex- an exceptional mechanic. He he was uh, it was by far the most talented mechanic that the uh, that the servicing place had ever seen, and they and so naturally they promoted him to foreman. Um, and he's then supervised the other other uh, mechanics and trained new mechanics, but he was incompetent at this. It was a it was a terrible fit for him. He was not the type of person who liked managing people, and he didn't like teaching people new things. So obviously, he was incompetent. But they wouldn't fire him because they knew what potential he had when he was a mechanic. And so he just stays there for the rest of his life, never really feeling fulfilled himself because he th- he knows he's doing a bad job. People don't like him because he's bad at his job, and overall, the company suffers for it. And um, that's that's the Peter principle. However, I think in the instance I'm thinking of with the person I work with, he just he isn't unsatisfied with his life because of where he is at work being incompetent. I think he's completely ignorant to his incompetence. Um, I think he has no idea how many people despise him. Uh, and he just keeps on keeping on. And that's... We love him for it. Not really. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that would play into a, a good episode. Thinking a little bit. I don't know. Maybe if I had someone here to yes and with me. What are some other interesting ideas? Andy's Russian sleep experiment. So what the uh, the Russian sleep experiment was, listeners, for those who don't know, it's, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, how would that be my, oh, right, because I stayed awake for like three days straight and I was losing it. Yeah, because I wake up quite early for my job. Uh, I get up at around 3 a.m., and then I get picked up by my good friend Scott and we go off to work and then bing, bang, boom. And if I've got a lot of stuff to do during the day, I just don't have a chance to sleep. And then I just end up not sleeping and drinking some caffeine. And I thought that would be a really good premise for a, for a good episode of all the shenanigans I'd get up to. Oh, what I could do is I've got this episode in mind. I got I, re- I really like this idea. It's called Tom Tom Goes Blind. And I think I could intertwine those two of of like a downward spiral between two characters and they like and it gets worse and worse and worse and then like they do like the one thing that cures their uh that just immediately like cures their problems and then they show up and like they forget all the torment and torture they've been through uh, that could be good I like the I like the way that sounds I'm gonna write that down not now but like later day one iced coffee plus video games and skating withdrawals video oh yeah 
Oh, that's talking about like a short, short, uh, short time release dopamine cycle. Um, those are vicious. I've written SBCG, which I'm pretty sure s- stands for Scott's Big Cocaine Crisis. No, I don't know what that stands for, which is terribly, terribly troublesome. And it, it, it hurts my brain to think about because I feel like there's a lot of potential in that idea, SBCG. Um, but I can't, I can't figure it out. Um... The safest truck in the world, the 84. Oh my God. This is the, this is the ramblings of a delirious madman who hasn't had enough sleep. Um, I think that's, that's referring to trucks piece, Scott's piece of shit truck that has like the suspension of a fucking 90 year old man's knee cartilage. Um, I guess that's more of a thing that could play in during another episode rather than being a fucking episode in itself. Um, what do we got? Market, market, meth, market, meth, market, meth heads driving fancy cars. I guess that would intertwine with the safest truck thing. I guess there's a little bit of a contrast. The new Southern Expressway. What? <laughs> what? Oh, what is this? Uh, okay. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna press on. I'm just gonna press on, listeners. Uh, oh dear. Nuke. Nuke forgets pine pine gap on the beach. Nuke Nuke Holy shit. The reason I can't really read my writing is because the truck has the shitty suspension and we're riding along in it and of course if you fucking bump bucking around like you're in a fucking What's the what's the big male cow called? Like you're bucking around like you're on a rodeo bull. Bucking around like a rodeo is the saying, I think. Anyway, yeah, you can't really uh, put too much energy into fine handwriting, fine handwriting. Andy's vow of silence. Now that would be a good episode because I actually put this into practice. I actually did this. I, it wasn't a full vow of silence. What I did was... I'm usually a pretty open, openly chatty kind of guy and very ov- overall, I'd say positive. Um, and what I did was I went into work for, I think, three days in a row and I said the absolute minimal to everyone. And the response I got was that of sheer concern and uneasiness. I found that people... Work, followed my example and worked harder for a short term and then they eventually returned to the norm state as is the as is the nature of all humans um, you can get a bit comfortable in any situation I guess um, but yeah for a while there they were very worried about me which made me feel good and made me feel like people cared about me and I felt loved and I felt cared for which I don't get a lot of at home. Shout out to my mum, beautiful mum. 
Hi, Mum. Hi, love. I'm feeling very loved this morning. That's good. You deserve to be loved. I deserve to be loved? And to feel loved. Aww. Wait, to feel loved? Yeah. But not to be actually loved. To be. I see what loved. she did there. So, listeners, my mum has just very. Um, very, uh, very expertly said that I deserve to feel loved, but not to be actually loved. No, the key to, be, <laughs> to be both. <laughs> to be both. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, my mum's very loving, maybe. She's probably the biggest reason for me being as confident as I am today. Oh my god! Yeah. But she won't sit down with me, unfortunately. Obviously, I'm not that lovable. What have I got? HS plus HJ's run. What does that mean? High school and high Hungry Jack's run? Oh, I know what it means. It means High Scott, Hungover Scott and Hungry Jack's run is what it means. And that's just based off a funny morning where Scott was hungover as shit and we'll have to pick him up from the brothel he was staying at. And then he was like, oh, can we get some Hungry Jack's? Which is just, uh, which is just a elite, elite showcase of his professionalism. Um, Andy's mask, Bane, no mask. That doesn't sound exciting, to be honest. Scott's pumpkin skits, <laughs> schizophrenia. That was a funny story. Uh, Scott dropped a, Scott usually picks up every now and then a bunch of like expired pumpkin or pumpkin that's not good enough to sell to the public from the market. And he'll give it to his cows. What? Don't say that. Don't say what? What's wrong with saying that? Why aren't you talking to me, Mum? I'm back to go to work, though. Huh. Okay. So basically, yeah, he, um, the cardboard, the cardboard binner was in broke. <laughs> Will, had to, Will, my good friend, who's been on the podcast many a time now, uh, had to spend like the half an hour, hour, whatever it was, cleaning up smashed pumpkin off the ground at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning. That's not the best way to start your day, to be honest. Um, and yeah, um, I haven't really fleshed that out. We've got objectivism, which is the idea that a man's role in society is to be sacrificed. Uh... The Wiggles should all be men. <laughs> and fuck you, Henry the op Octopus. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, what have I written here? <laughs> Why am I feeling aggressive towards Henry the Octopus? Mum? You, you like Henry I do like Henry the Octopus. Maybe you just wrote the wrong word. <laughs> I've very clearly written fuck you, Henry the Octopus, in capital letters. Well, that's not good language. That's terrible language, isn't it? And then we've got R. Kelly, Kevin Spacey, and Jeffrey Epstein, which I think was a, um allusion to the episode Andy has a minor inconvenience, which I'm very happy with, and I might do a table read if I have any actors willing to do it with me. Oh, we got Blind Date as a part of Tom pretends to be blind for a day. Um, Andy gets a desk job. 
in which it would feature Thomas Anderson, also known as Neo from The Matrix, and like that's a cool little alternative reality where Neo never took Neo took the blue pill and he just kept working in that same office the rest of his life. And Gregor Samsa, aka the cockroach, cockroach from Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis. That's a classic, classic tale of objectivism. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. I like that one. That could probably, that could play, that could play in very well with Nate's Great Depression. Um, Andy kills a mockingbird. I just think that'd be really funny. Just like a kind of black and white um, episode of the gang um, going on going on trial and uh, doing a defending a defending some defending someone who's clearly not clearly innocent but gets ruled guilty or the other way around. I had a I, I definitely had a full time for that one that I've lost in the test pad, which I'm very sad about. Um, Andy gets quarantined for no reason. That is based on real life experience, isn't it, Mum? Yeah. Andy gets quarantined. What happened there, Mum? Well, we're deemed a close contact. Wasn't very close. Anyway, it's good you didn't get COVID. And you flew out of ISO after a week, so very good. Yeah. I got some good drawings done. Didn't I, Mum? Beautiful drawings. Did you like them? Your friends liked them, who you gave them to. They did? Hmm. I only wish I could see them now. What, your friends? Yeah, not in the drawings. <laughs> well, you gave them to them, so they're theirs now. But I want to see them again. I want to be like, oh, I remember doing that, you know? <laughs> I was you. Uh, I asked, you took a photo of them, didn't you? Did I? I thought you took a photo I of them. I thought you always take a photo of something you're proud of. Remember that photo you took of me when I won that swimming race? Oh, that was so cute. Yeah. You were out of the pool and their rest kept swimming for the next minute. Was that in year seven? Or was I younger? I think it's about grade seven. You were very good swimming. Very good swimmer. An elite swimmer. For the folks at home who don't know the story, uh, my primary school I went to hosts a swimming carnival on an annual basis. And... Uh, me being the natural athlete that I was, I uh, competed in the 50 meter freestyle. Was it 50 or 100 meter? Uh, 50. 50. Was it 25 meter pool or a 50 meter pool? It was a 50 meter pool. And basically, I, I won the race, uh, got out of the pool, mum wrapped me up in a towel and took a photo of me before the, the person in second finished the race. <laughs> Goodbye, Mum. Thank you for joining me on this podcast this morning. You forgot your what? My milk. You can't forget your milk, Mum. No. Otherwise, your gut will be unhappy. Alright, see you, everybody. Bye. Say bye to Mum, guys. See you, everybody. Keep listening. <laughs>
Alright. Now the only one home with me now is Robbie, I'm afraid. And I think he won't be up till around 9am or later. Because he's a, he's, a, he's a strong sleeper, that one. He's a heavy sleeper. I, uh, I like to come into his room at around midnight and... 3am to come grab the computer charger from him. We, we share one MacBook charger because uh, I uh, fell asleep on the train one time and when I woke up in a, in, a, in a hurry to get off at my stop, I accidentally left it on the train and uh, of course, if you know anything about public transport, I never saw that charger again. Uh, that's just a fun story I like to reminisce about. And yeah, and I think and I think in a way that me losing that charger has brought me and Robbie closer. I think he really appreciates the extra time that we spend together when I come in his room at 3 a.m. when he's asleep and, um, as quietly as uh, as quietly as a 18 wheel truck uh, take take the charger from his bedside table and. Um, relocated to my room so I can charge and watch my YouTube till through all hours of the night. What'd you forget, Mum? I've got my banana. You can't forget your banana. Why not take two? That's enough. One's enough? Thanks, okay. Are you going to be on time for work still? Can you have your washing out, mate? Uh, I think I've got plans. Ah. What else have we got here? Black Superman during the Civil Rights Movement. Ooh, and I've already put the copyright on it, DC Comics, so you're going to have to pay me a handsome payout to get the rights to that concept. Black Superman during the Civil... Could you imagine that? Black Superman with Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, and he's like kind of like... Those are like the two angels on his shoulder, and Martin Luther King is like, hey, man, we've got to peacefully protest, you know, do the sit-ins, do the this, like... Do you guys remember that scene from Man of Steel when um, uh, when uh, Clark Kent working as a uh, waiter at the time, the dude in the bar, he um like, he throws the he he uh, pours the beer on his head and then he and then he pushes him really hard, but like he just kind of bounces off him because he's Superman. Imagine that, but like Black Superman, he's doing a sit-in and like all the all the bigoted white people and all that, they're all and Uncle Ruckus is there from the Boondocks and he's. It's like you goddamn black fellas. Um, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You don't deserve rights, there. And Superman's like, man, I could freaking laser eye all these people right now, but my boy Martin wouldn't like that. You know, I've gotta gotta stay true to my boy Martin. Um, but like in the other side of his brain, he's like, man, Malcolm was like, hey, by any means necessary. And I and he's like. It's like a whole thing. I think. I think personally, that's that would be way cooler than the um, the Red Sun Superman. I think the Red Sun Superman is very uh, is interesting and, and good, but like in, it pales in comparison, I believe, to my idea. Plus, I think it's huge for the. Um, I think it's a, a. I think it's a huge good step in the right direction as a, in terms of black people getting fucking compensation and getting their fucking equity for being enslaved by the Americans for fucking all those years um but then again I guess you can't it's America's a weird culture I don't know 
is it, is it affirmation, is it positive affirmation, I don't know what that, I don't even know what that term means, dog, but, uh, I think it's a good thing, I think that they, that they deserve what's coming to them, and I, in a good way, <laughs> holy shit, that could be taken out of context, I think, I des they deserve all the good things coming to them, I think that they've earned it, and I think, uh, Will Smith kind of did a disservice to, um, the great, the black, to the black excellence movement, I don't, I think he acted well out of order, I think, uh, everyone can see that, and, uh, I'm not gonna speak further on that, because it's, because it's ignorant, is what it is, it's just straight up ignorant violence, and you just gotta take, you gotta, you gotta be able to roll with the hits, as, um, I think Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson said on one of their podcasts, like, it's very easy to tell a tyrant personality um, out of a out of a group by who can't take it hate take the joke, and where this theory um, I think originated was back in medieval times that the jester would traditionally poke fun at a good king, and the jester was the only honest person in the king's court because the jester would be able to ridicule the king openly and make fun of him and and basically if you're a good king you'd take that as constructive criticism and better your kingdom but if you a king didn't have a jester or he couldn't if he had a a dishonest jester he couldn't he couldn't take the take the brutal honesty then he would be violent and he'd get rid of the jester because he that's a tyrant right there that's not a, that's not a good king that's a tyrant so in summary, Will Smith is basically a tyrant, and I don't think people like that, I don't know, in what mindset. Uh, I think that behavior is inexcusable, especially at an event that's supposed to be prestigious, as is prestigious as the Academy Awards. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, do I think Chris Rock deserved it? No, I think Chris Rock was doing his doing his thing as a comedian, and he was killing it, and he handled it very well. Uh, and I think uh, I think his shock and disbelief was very soothing. And I and I love my man Chris Rock. He was great in Grown Ups. I loved him in Shrek. Um, that's my homie right there. Don't you dare say a word against Chris Rock, or I will I will slap you. How about that? Will Smith, come on this podcast. I'm not going to slap you, you know, because you know what, to err, or err, to err is human, but to forgive is divine, and I got that from Borderlands 2, where they um, paraphrase, to murder is human, but to forgive is divine, which is like a little quest um, that you've picked up, pick up from a guy in the Arid Badlands, I think, and, uh, it, like after you kill him, he's, he's just like a ranger roaming there, and you kill him, and he drops a little voice log echo, and you get the mission. You get the mission, and it says there, and um, you basically you say he says I got a I got a stash hidden out in the badlands, for any brave, you killed me. Congratulations, you must be one badass. And then he open, and then he's like I got my stash out in the badlands. Um, obviously you deserve it for being so badass that you managed to kill me. And so you go to the Badlands and you open his stash, and uh, it's not good right, loot. And what happens is it's an ambush actually, and you get ambushed by all these guys. And you know, the guy says, "You goddamn mother sucker, 
you think you can kill me? I'll, t- I'll show you. And then you kill all the guys because it's Borderlands 2 and the fucking... And the AI is as dumb as a fucking Nate. Um, I'm just kidding, Nate. If you're listening, I think you're the smartest man ever. Ha! <laughs> uh, whoa. That was wacky. That's how, that's how we do on this show. We keep it wacky. We keep it fresh. Um... And frankly, John Dean's afraid of that. Um, I'm just looking at some Sharon gun that I've been drawing here. I've been trying to draw Itachi, Uchiha's Sharon gun and I, um, off memory. And it, uh, it's starting to look right. But of course, you've got to incorporate the whole face because. Uh, if you're animating, you got to draw things very quickly in very quick succession for hours and hours because animation is a fucking a, uh, is, is a true sacrificial art form, and those who pursue it deserve every fucking every every bit of credit and more that they get. And I, frankly, I don't think they get enough credit besides Studio Ghibli. Um, but yeah, Itachi uh, Uchiha is of course from the hit hit anime show Naruto which um I don't love as a whole I more love as like a as like a little as a little bit because I find most of the characters um arcs very boring except for Itachi Itachi is by far the most interesting character in the entire thing and he's only around for like I think the first, like a quarter of it um yeah and that's all I have to say about Naruto um Madara Uchiha is pretty cool too, but not as not as good as Itachi, obviously. That brings me to the next anime I have a gripe with, which is One Piece, which has got which is the epitome of quantity over quality. Um, I can't fucking stand that show anymore. I got a I think five hundred episodes in before I said, you know what, I I I've tried, I've given it the old college try, but this shit is not enjoyable. It is fucking so full of filler. It's a fucking Hungry Jack's burger, and I and I'll drink to that. Uh, yeah, I, I can't take filler content. I'm like, why the fuck would you like just keep looping the same pl- points over and over instead of just making something new and keep it fresh and snappy? Because that's the point of it. You want to. Uh, it, otherwise you're just you're not making art you're making you're making um you're making like fucking junk food you're making something that's easy you're making something to easily consume like it true art should take a while to do and does like if you look at Donald Glover's Atlanta oh my god that show is to die for um if you're into Afro surrealism and that kind of comedy that he does in that. Um, as Kanye West famously said, Donald Glover is a free thinker. And I 100% agree with everything Kanye West has ever said. And you can quote me on that. Um, I think people should get a million dollars for not aborting babies. Uh, I think I'm starting to speak with the... Um, vocal variety of Moist Critical right now which I'm not really a huge fan of 
No, I'm a huge fan of him. I'm just, I think, I think it's important to speak with gravity and in some cases brevity, but brevity can be bad for creative expression and free thinking. Um, that sounds very pretentious, and of course it is. But I've got no one to talk to, so I just got a spitball. Um, I'm not a lonely guy, though. Uh, I'm not desperate, you know, but like, just, um, you know, if you want to come on, if you want to talk to me, you know, I'm here. I'll, I'll always be here, you know. Don't have to worry about me not re- mess- returning your messages, you know. I just got, if you look through my phone, you got me- messages just unread and sent and um or unread even and i think that's really cool of people you know i think that says a lot about my friendship circle and people i care about you know it's funny though um i think that's i think by the way i think you know it's funny or i just think it's funny that's a good way to start an argument start an argument um (laughs) i think it's funny like i'd say my best friends who i appreciate the most um, I'd say TJ, Charlie, and um, Joseph um, among them, the key ones. They always reply my messages, and uh, man, they make me feel loved, and I pre- and I and I appreciate that. Um, but you know, like when I don't know what the game is um, when people just don't reply or take intentionally take ages to reply. It's uh, I don't think you're cooler for it. I think. You're, I personally just think you're a bit of a fuckwit. So, to all the people out there who want to flirt with me, like, doing that, um, don't, because I just think less of you. Uh, and if you think it, it's treating me mean to keep me keen, I fucking see through that, and I know that you're insecure with yourself, and that you're worried that I won't reply to you, which by not replying with not replying with haste will just make me not want to speak to you because you're a bit of a fuckwit like that um I could really go for a skate right about now just clear the head see if (gasps) Scott might have got my test pad that's exciting news I could have that could be have my ideas on that um but it might not. Either way, just like Maya Angelou says, I'll still rise with or without the ideas that I had. Um, it would just be easier if I did have them. But, you know, um, um, if you want to get somewhere, you got to jump hurdles. And you know what? Those hurdles are good because you learn from them. Experience is the best teacher, and the more mistakes you make, the smarter you are. Um, not really, but... Um, just think about it. Just think of it as a mistake as a learning opportunity. But if you don't learn from it, that's insanity. As we know, sleep is the cousin of death. And they locked me in a room, a rubber room, a rubber room full of rats. I'm lonely. Mr. Lonely. I got nobody to call my own. My own, now I'm a soldier, a lonely soldier, away from home, through no wish of my own. Mm. 
That's why I'm lonely. This is an interesting chain of thought. I don't think John Dean's ever had a chain of thought like this, man. Fuck John Dean, the great fucking established John Dean of Cruise 1323. I love you, John Dean, but I don't know how you do this, man. You must go insane doing this over and over again. Can I come on? Can I come on to Cruise 13? I think that would be an awesome team up. I'm awake. You know, I like that's my body clock now. My body clock is set to you wake up at 3 a.m., Mr. Andrew. Um, that's that's what you do now. And I'm like, John Dean, hit me up. Um, I think you're a cool guy. If you think I'm a cool guy, we can maybe hang out, maybe get a coffee, kiss. I don't know. We'll see where the evening takes us. Obviously, we'll be in bed by 7 because we got, we got shit to do in the morning. Am I right or am I right? All right. Hit me up. Don't leave me on red. All right. Um, that was a cool pack. <laughs> uh, oh. I've been playing a lot of Hollow Knight recently. Hollow Knight is a 2D Metro Advania by Team Cherry, an Adelaide company. Um, and it's a, it's, it was initially a Kickstarter that uh, received quite a bit of funding throughout the years because of the extreme promise it showed, but, um, not as much as it deserved, obviously, because people still consider it a, um, a late bloomer. I think they call it in the industry where it was out for a few years and then it suddenly, it took off like wildfire, ladies and gentlemen at home. It, it, it blew up. Like the fucking world trade, as my man Biggie Small says. Um, obviously not the September 11th one, but the one before that, for the folks at home who don't know that the World Trade Center has blown up multiple times. Um, that's a fun fact for the for the podcast. That's a fun fact. That's your fun fact for the day, that the World Trade Center has blown up twice. And it might have even done three times that I'm not aware of. Um, I think that's a cool little analogy of world trade I think that I think that's very funny um, that's some that sums up how society today works with money and distributes wealth which um, which we constantly push down the tiers of importance and things we discuss is the how we distribute wealth we like to talk about shit that doesn't matter like who got the Oscar or who slapped who or who um, Kanye West is gonna marry or shit like that, but I mean, obviously, Kanye West is the most is the this generation's thing, the closest thing to Einstein and the most creative man to ever live. Um, so we should we should in fact be concerned with Kanye's mental health. Um, and if you're if you're anti Kanye, well, I'll will say a prayer for you just quick, dear Lord, now in heaven. Uh, I wish you forgive those who hate upon Kanye for he is great and they are not and he is genius and they are blunt but do not judge them so harshly for it is not their fault but their ancestors who did not pass down the correct genetic information or perhaps inbred because that's the only explanation um, for such severe mental disease as to dislike, hear Kanye and think bad. And 
I think that sums it up. Well, thanks thanks for tuning in, God. Amen. Hallelujah. And um, you know, we'll see where today takes us. I wish I wish everyone a a very happy um, what day is it? I wish everyone a very happy April fifth. April fifth. And may you go forth and conquer as the Romans would. Um, I'm going to sign off here because I'm bored and I'm sure you're bored of listening to my ramblings. The If you want to check out a Khalil, good Khalil Gibran poem, there's um, War, which is from the collection of short stories, uh, The Prophet, which is, I think, his best-selling work. Um, and I think it's actually the, his best-selling work, the best-selling book of short stories or liter- literature since Shakespeare and... I think it's third to Shakespeare and Bank 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 I don't know uh, no Bank's a fucking composer I don't know you're gonna have to fact me fact check me on this maybe later in the later editions of the podcast I'll have someone like Jamie on Joe Rogan's podcast who can check things for me but at the moment I'm just gonna sign off um, this is me Andy Andy B calling it a calling it a day um i hope you guys have a great one and tune in next time see ya